Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 35 of Hack to Start. This episode features Tom Maher, the creator of Product Hunt Time Machine. Tyler and I wanted to invite Tom onto the show to share his insights on building iOS apps. With no real background in development, but a desire to work on his own side project, Tom taught himself to code within four months and has built two apps in his spare time. He shares his insights on building product, what drove him to learn how to code, the process he used to build his apps, and what the future holds. So let's get to it. Hey, Tom, thanks for being on the show. No problem. So we always like to uh, kick things off by getting to know a little bit more about uh, the guest. Uh, so tell us, where are you from? What did you study? And how did your passion for entrepreneurship really develop? Um, well, thanks for having me on the show, guys. I really appreciate it. So I'm from just outside Boston in a town called Acton, Massachusetts. Um, so I actually started, I'm actually still in school right now. Um, I started out as a computer science major um, my freshman year. And I had some experiences where I didn't really think it was for me. So I actually switched. Um, and started studying management information systems um, because I wanted to still stay with computers and maybe we can talk about that a little bit later on the show here. But yeah, I'm a senior, so I'll be graduating this upcoming um, May and uh, be starting my career. That's awesome. Congrats. Yep. And yeah, so sort of how I got into, into entrepreneurship um, was during an internship I had. I was working for like a finance company um, and finance, it, at, I mean, it seemed like it was interesting at the time, but it was like really rigid, a lot of structure, and we couldn't really get a lot done as interns there. So me and another intern, um, he was really into uh, like entrepreneurship and startups, and he was like making a big deal about one day um, Fancy, which is like a pin, like a Pinterest shopping site where you go on and like buy stuff and sim- similar user experience to Pinterest. They just raised like a ton of money. Um, I think at the time they only had like eight employees. Um, so that, that was like pretty amazing to me that there was this company that was, has had this huge reach and they were able to service a large number of people, um, with only having eight people on their team. So whenever, um, we had free time, we'd always talk about startups and we both weren't very technical. So it was just, uh, I guess, a couple of kids talking and nothing really came of that, but it got me really interested in entrepreneurship then. That's awesome. So you've you've launched uh, your first iOS app called Product Hunt Time Machine. What is yep. it, and how did you um, come up with the concept? Yeah, definitely. So the tagline I came up with was uh, "Rediscover the best products from Product Hunt." And what Product Hunt is, it's sort of like a Reddit for technology products, where every day there's like a new list of products that people in the community submit, and you can upvote and you can comment on them. Which is really cool because it allows makers to um, get exposure to like a broader audience. But the problem was, at least that I saw, was that after that day ended, you couldn't really go back very well. 
and see all these different products um, that were submitted, you'd have to scroll down through the list manually. And Product Hunt was around for like a year at that time. Um, it's a lot of and pages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I missed out on the beginning because I, I came in, I think, like three or four months late. And uh, one time I scrolled all the way back to the first day um, and it was really painful. And so I, I, was, I was learning iOS development. So uh, I figured that this would be a really cool way to like, figure out how to go back in time and jump around to different days. So what, what a Product Hunt Time Machine allows you to do is um, just go back in time and you select a date. It shows you all the products on that day and you can interact with them like you could on Product Hunt. So it was really about rediscovering all the different cool products on there for me. That's really cool. I, I found myself also just scrolling through Product Hunt on Endless hours just going through back to see um you know all the different apps i'm going to definitely check out this one and uh discover some more things that i haven't seen before so you were able to teach yourself how to build um ios apps in just four months would you be able to walk us through how you were able to teach yourself yeah sure um so a lot of it just came down to the internet and me just wanting to like be able to like have that skill because uh, I, I was always into apps, and even though I studied computer science for a year, I didn't really have like a huge technical background. So there was definitely a learning curve. Um, so I started off like just trying to figure out how I was gonna, going to go about learning, and Stack Overflow was great. It, it, it was able to um, like answer some of my questions, and same thing with Google, I'd be able to search. Um, but I, I really needed something that could guide me through and give me some sort of structure, um, like a comprehensive education. So. I found this uh, one uh, like video lecture site. Um, it's called Bitfountain, and they have videos on iOS development, Android development. So I've been doing the iOS course on there, and I usually go through and spend around like 50 minutes every day um, working on it. And that's like my minimum amount. Like some days I'll do a lot more if I'm feeling up for it. But that way I can like get through and actually like focus on being able to get those skills. And I guess like the hardest part at the beginning was I use all these like awesome apps. Like we all use like really nicely designed like functional products. So like when you start like learning um, a new skill. So like for me it was iOS development. I wanted to build something that was great right away, and see that product like come to fruition. And it was difficult because I struggled a lot at the beginning, and I had a lot a lot of bad code and bad design. Um, but I guess. Like in the end, when um, I finally released the app and like other people started using it, it made it made me feel like amazing because I was able to struggle um, and then eventually come up with something that I guess people liked. That's really cool. I'm gonna have to check out that site. Um, I know Franco and I have been talking about uh, learning iOS development on in our spare time, so I think that's a good resource to check out. So, what was the process for you like to create um, an app yourself? Uh, if you were to create another app again, would you follow the same steps that you took in the first place? Yeah, that's a good question. So over those four months, I was like learning all of the different skills I would need to end up building Time Machine. So I was on winter break from school, um, and I had a bunch of free time, and I didn't want to like sit. I mean, I want for part of it, it would have been nice to relax and forget about schoolwork, but I saw it as really a huge opportunity for me to like work on things that I wanted to work on. So I took that whole entire time um, and was working on Time Machine. So I started like planning out what I wanted to do, so that way when I actually started coding, it would have been easier. So I drew out like what all the different pages would look like and all the different flows on there. 
And then after I did that, I could start coding. And I, it was actually pretty intimidating at first because I had never done anything. I hadn't really learned about using um, an API before. So I was using Product Hunt's API to build the app. Um, so I had to pick that up as I went. But it ended up going actually pretty smoothly uh, once I started learning. I spent a, a couple hours each day doing that. And then uh, like there were some great tools which helped out too. Like I don't know if you guys have used Sketch before, Sketch 3. Yeah, I have. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that was great. So I, I um, picked it up a little while ago and hadn't really had a use for it yet, but that made everything uh, work a lot smoothly when I was doing the design. Um, so I think I would follow a similar process. The part that I wouldn't follow, again, was so I completed the app, um, and I wanted to make sure that it was working really well because it was working on my phone, but whenever you release something out into the wilds, it, for some reason, just like doesn't work or there's always bugs. So mm -hmm. I, sent, I sent out some invites to a couple of my friends to test it out, um, and I didn't hear anything from them. So I figured everything was okay, so I sent an email to uh, Ryan, the founder of Product Hunt, and uh, sent him a link to have him test it out. So he downloaded it, and I was really excited, and then I got an email saying that from him saying that it crashed and didn't show any content, so it wasn't working. So the lesson I learned from that, from that um, was to sort of just make sure everything is working uh, the way it's supposed to before you spread out into that wider audience. I mean, it ended up not being a big deal, um, and he thought it was cool once it was the app was complete. But I guess if that's something like in the real world, like if it's a startup and you send your product to like an investor or someone's demoing it and it doesn't work, uh, that could be a big problem. I 100% agree. So why did you choose to learn iOS Swift over any other platforms? And with that being said, do you have any plans on learning and building product on Time Machine for any other platforms? Yeah. Um, so I started off learning Swift because um, I had all the tools, really. So I had an iPhone um, and I had, had a Mac. So that, that was, those were the two main enablers there. And then I, I guess it was just something that I figured I would want to do. I, I always use apps, and I had some free time. I actually tried Objective-C uh, during this past summer and uh, didn't get through it. It was really dense, especially not being from a big coding background. Uh, the syntax and stuff was difficult to get through. And then I went to a uh, Product Hunt meetup in Boston, and people were talking about what they were building, and I sort of felt left out. I mean, it was cool to talk about products with everyone, but everyone seemed to be working on like really cool side projects. Um, and I wanted to work on one. So the next day, I did a bunch of research for Swift because it launched earlier that summer, and I found uh, the Bitfountain course. I was actually just reading the next web, and it was on there as one of their deals. So uh, I got that, and then I figured out a plan to how I would learn, um, and I ended up being able to build an app at the end. And uh, in terms of uh, building Time Machine for another um, device or platform, I've gotten some emails when, when it launched about uh, porting it over to Android, but um, I mean, I'd be open to like working with someone and like guiding them through how I made it or what the design would be like. Except uh, I don't have an Android phone; <laughs> I would have to learn <laughs> Android development, so that that'd be difficult. <laughs> yeah, no plans right now, uh, but if someone's open and they want to work on it, I can try to help them out. <laughs> That's really cool, man. You have me inspired to go out and create my own side project and and learn iOS Swift. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you've also created um, a product hunt collection with a list of tools that you use on like a daily basis. So what were what are some of your favorites from that list? 
Yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I wanted to make sure that everyone got credit for what I did. Um, and since I'm a huge Product Hunt fan, um, I wanted to put that on there too. Um, so Sketch 3 was definitely like amazing. I've done a lot of reading about how Sketch is replacing um, Photoshop for some designers and stuff like that. And I'm not a designer, um, but I've used both products and Photoshop is pretty heavy to me. It seems like it's difficult to figure out stuff in there. And Sketch 3 is a little more intuitive. The interface looks similar to everything else that's on a Mac. Um, so Sketch 3 was huge for getting Time Machine finished. Uh, there's, there was another one on there. Uh, this, this was actually probably the most helpful. It's called Make App Icon. So this was a side project. I forget um, by what company. So it was a startup and they were talking about how one of their designers was spending a really long time um, in Sketch trying to make all the different icon sizes that were required uh, for an iOS app. It, I mean, it takes forever. You need like different sizes. You need different resolution for the different like displays, retina, non-retina. So this just allows you to import a, a, one image of high quality and it, then it um, automatically emails you all the rest of them. So it, that probably takes like t it's like a ten minute process, whereas like cropping all the different sizes and then changing the resolution would probably take around three hours. That's awesome. It, yeah. it's what's it called again? It's called Make App Icon. Awesome. I'm gonna have to check that out. We'll, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll have a link to your uh, product hunt uh, product collection uh, in the episode too. Oh, awesome. So. Okay, yeah. So yeah, that's that's a pretty straightforward name. So if someone wants to Google it, they'll probably find it. So uh, the last product um, that was in my collection, which I really thought was great, was GitHub for Mac. So I didn't really feel like learning like too much command line stuff, just because I wanted to focus mainly on Swift. And I, p I picked some command line stuff up um, along the way. But GitHub for Mac's amazing because it just it's like a super simple interface, and it's it's a very very big difference from like uh, committing and to your repo on the Mac app versus like using terminal. So I thought that was really helpful for me. That's cool. So earlier you mentioned that like your minimum period of, of coding was like 15 minutes and sometimes you'd go longer. So what do those sessions kind of look like? How'd you break it up and, and what did you do during that time? Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, I would watch the videos. So they, they have a certain number of lectures that make up, I guess, a lesson on Bitfountain. So I would get through those videos and I would, um, during it, the videos, I'd have my hands on the keyboard, just uh, going through all the different code that uh, Elliot, who runs the course, was doing. And then uh, sometimes I'd pause. I have a notebook where I write down a bunch of different stuff just because that fits in with my learning style. If I write something down, I remember it a lot better, even if I don't go back and reference it later. So having the notebook was really helpful. So yeah, I would just go through the lectures and then follow along. And then if, if I wanted to continue, I'd do more lectures. Sometimes I would stop and then I would open up uh, like a new project and I'd try to like emulate what I just learned. Well, the great thing about Swift is there is this new um, feature called Playgrounds, which Apple brought in. So it allows you to uh, type code and then get feedback uh, in real time from it. So it's like an interpreter. So anything you type in, you get to see the result right away. So that was really helpful for testing out little concepts, stuff like that. That's really cool. Um, so you also got accepted to Y Combinator Startup School in New York. So what was that experience like and what was the biggest lesson you'd learned there? Yeah, uh, it was a 
fantastic experience, um, especially like uh, just finding out really about startups the summer before, um, and then just getting to go and meet all the interesting people there, hear all the speakers speak. Um, it was it's a fantastic environment. I would encourage anyone that's interested in startups to apply and um, go if they can. Uh, it's great because YC brings back a lot of their founders. Um, and they give talks, but also they'll like walk around during the breaks um, and like talk to you. And it's small enough that you get to meet a bunch of different people. And uh, a couple of the lessons, which I thought were great. Also, um, the videos are online, so anyone can watch them. Um, and I thought Zach Sims, who's the founder of Code Academy, he had the best talk in my opinion. Um, he talked about how no- so when he was uh, getting started. Uh, his first experience with entrepreneurship was him in his mom's basement, um, and he had just gotten his iPod, like the iPod just came out, so he broke it um, one day when he was running, and he wanted to get a case so that would never happen again, so he contacted someone on the internet, um, a producer, like a manufacturer, to build in this case, and it ended up working out, except what happened was uh, the manufacturer wanted to get on the phone with him, and he was 13 at the time. Um, so what he said was no one on the internet knows that you're, you're 13 and in your mom's basement, um, which meant that the internet is sort of like this great equalizer. It doesn't matter like who you are, where you're from, how old you are. Um, through the internet, you, you have that access. You're able to accomplish a lot. So that was an interesting lesson there. The other thing was uh, that like a lot of the people I met uh, continue to say was, uh, either solve your own problem or work on something you love, um, which was something that, I mean, it seems obvious, but at that point, I was really focused on like, oh, yeah, I, I should start a startup. I should do this like right away. And I was just trying to come up with different things uh, to work on uh, that, I mean, didn't necessarily uh, make mean a lot to me. Um, so it was difficult to get started there. Um, so if you're working on something you love or you're trying to solve your own problem, um, not only are you more motivated to work on it, but even if you get if you get roped in for five to ten years, like you would hope, if you're working on a startup, you you'll want to go to work all day. You'll want to work all the time, hopefully, and you'll be able to cope with the stress and everything that comes with it a lot better. That's awesome. That's those are some really good uh, good pieces of advice to to kind of retain from from that uh, event. Yep. So you've also got another app called Daily. Did you create that one first, or is that a, is that a follow up to uh, Product Hunt Time Machine? Yeah, so I created Daily first. Um, I mean, it's it's really really simple. So I wouldn't really I didn't really consider it as like my first app, like something that was really that noteworthy. So what Daily is, um, I, I watched this talk um, by Jack Dorsey. Um, that was uh, that he that he gave out at I think the San Francisco uh, startup school uh, a couple years back, and usually um, at at the startup school events, the founders or uh, the speakers will go up and they'll sort of have like some sort of theme and they'll talk about um, like their story that type of thing. But and they'll have like a presentation and be prepared. But for some reason, uh, Jack just went up and he just talked. He didn't have any uh, slides or anything. And I mean, it's, it sort of felt um, or seemed fitting just because uh, it seems like that's his type of personality. Um, but what he was talking about was uh, he has a list of items um, that uh, he has, uh, that he checks every day. So he has a list that says do and a list that says don't. 
and he calls that daily. So we, so the items that are on the do's, he will, he tries to do every day, and the items that are on the don'ts, he tries to not do every day. And that sort of guides him throughout his day. Um, so I had learned enough at this point. Um, I think I was like two months in to sort of like test out my skills and uh, try to actually make something. So I just went for it and uh, ended up putting it on the App Store. That's yeah. cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so app development is still kind of a side project thing for you. Uh, what do you spend the rest of your time doing? And do you hope that you're going to end up doing more development? Or was this just to kind of get, you know, some some basic experience so that you could you could go into startups? Uh, app development is, yeah, a side project right now. I'm still in school full time. So I'm learning uh, unrelated things. But I'm, I'm hoping that app development is like a big part of what I do in the future, whether or not that's uh, starting a startup around like some sort of app, or if that's me get, um, improving my ability to the point that I can be like a iOS engineer, that type of thing. Just because I think it's really interesting. Um, I use apps like all day and I'm uh, downloading them constantly. So in the, fu- in the immediate future, um, I guess uh, this summer, I'm starting work as a uh, technology consultant for a company in Boston. And in, in that role right, right there, I'm going to be um, doing like, uh, like partial development um, in databases uh, based on what I've learned. And then also um, like meeting with clients and figuring out what their needs are. So okay. yep, that, that's my immediate uh, focus. That's awesome. So, uh, do do you have ideas for another app already in the works, or uh, is that further down the road? Yeah, um, I'd like to come up with something soon. So, r- right now, uh, after I launched Time Machine, I was just sort of uh, answering questions about that and talking with people. But then I got back to uh, working on the Bitfountain course again and starting to uh, build up my knowledge in Swift, so I could uh, gain some momentum again. Um, I'm hoping to do at least two more apps this in 2015. Like really high quality, um, probably a lot better than Time Machine. So I'm hoping to do at least one on my own. But I think it'd be really cool to work with like a couple, other, at least one other person, like uh, to collaborate on the on an app. But I don't have any ideas right now. So cool. We'll have to stay on the lookout to see what uh, what you come up with next. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you see the biggest opportunities for entrepreneurs? And are there any technologies or industries that you're really interested in right now? In terms of entrepreneurs, I would say actually, um, and this might be a little bit of a cop-out, so let me know and I might be able to um, um, make my approach a little narrower. So I I would really say anywhere. I mean, you see it all the time that there's people that um, come up with really, really good ideas because they're passionate about a certain industry and they're able to um, change or bring some sort of innovation there. And since the incumbent or um, other companies aren't innovating, they're able to sort of unsettle them. And the thing about entrepreneurship is a lot of the time it doesn't work. So uh, obviously, like, if you, even if you're coming up with an idea um, and it doesn't work the first time, uh, you'll be able to go back bigger, stronger with uh, the lessons learned there. And I mean, you see it, there are entrepreneurs that their whole career will follow, like, some sort of mission or vertical like uh, Ev Williams, uh, he did. He's been doing publishing his whole entire career, and his uh, companies get better and better as they go. Like he started out with Blogger at the beginning of like the internet, and then uh, moved over to Odeo and took uh, the lessons learned there when it sort of failed, and that was spun out into Twitter. And now he's working on Medium. And at least for me, um, I'm really interested in like specifically sort of like. 
I, I call it like the curation of things, sort of derive that name from the Internet of Things. So for me, crea- uh, curation is really important, um, especially because people are trying to do more and more like uh, automated stuff. Um, stuff like Product Hunt is all about the community and creation. Like the human touch is really important for them. And a lot of other products too. People don't want machines talking to them. They don't want um, the black and white responses. It's really nice when there's a someone on the other end or a product is um, built by a human and it's it's interacted by with humans. So that's sort of what I'm interested in. Absolutely, that's a cool that's a cool space. I completely agree, especially with the the curation thing. So mm-hmm. um, you mentioned it earlier that you use apps all the time, but and 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 kind of have been obsessed with Bitfountain at least for four months. But other than that, yep. are there any kind of other apps, books, tools that you're super obsessed with that you use on a daily basis? Yeah, so uh, there's two apps I use, or three I use on a daily basis, uh, multiple times a day. So the first one is uh, called Day One. Have you guys heard of that? I have heard of it. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's a journaling app um, where, I mean, I just go and I write down uh, different thoughts uh, uh, multiple times a day, but at least once per day, usually right before I go to sleep, I write down sort of what I did today, what were the highlights, what can I do better. Um, and then I write down, I, will, I started recently doing uh, three good things. I read a couple uh, articles about um, if you write down three good things at the end of the day, um, you have a, a greater feeling of accomplishment and then you can start the next day feeling better because you were able to finish whatever that was or at least something good happened to you. So you're able to go to sleep on like a, a high note there. Um, the next one I use is Reporter. Um, it's an app by uh, uh, one, his name's uh, Nicholas Felton. He, um, I think he currently works for Facebook, but he uh, is sort of famous um, and you can look this up for uh, annual reports. So um, he tracks like a lot of different things about his life uh, and a ton of different things. Um, and at the end of the year, he'll create these uh, reports on based on all the data. Um, and ha- he has really nice visualizations and the books get published um, and people can buy them. And you can look through them online. Um, but what Reporter allows you to do is capture different data points um, about your life through randomly timed surveys throughout your day, and you can define the questions to them. Um, so I, I have different questions set up, like who are you with, what are you doing, where are you, are you looking at a screen, stuff like that. So um, I'll get pings with those push notifications um, six times during the day, and I'll answer them. So I've been collecting that data, and I don't have, I don't have plans to do anything with it yet, but it's it's just interesting to go back and look through it so at some point um, so you can figure out who are you with, what are you doing, and uh, if there's anything you want to change, you get all that information. And then the last one is uh, Twitter. So Twitter is fantastic for me at least because it allows me to have access to um, a lot of different people that I wouldn't normally be able to. And uh, so I can just like send like a 140 character message to uh, someone in Silicon Valley all the way from Boston and maybe they respond maybe they don't but I've been able to like have short conversations with people through that and it's really cool how uh, you're able to connect with people on it yeah absolutely that's that's really really cool that uh, mm-hmm. so some good recommendations in there for sure yeah um, and then in terms of uh, what I'm reading um, so I usually read every night before I go to sleep and I just started the Steve Jobs autobiography 
Um, but one thing that's uh, really great if you're into startups is uh, Paul Graham. He's the founder of Y Combinator. He has his essays um, that he writes online, and there's, there's a ton of them. Um, but two specifically, one is called uh, Before the Startup, and the other is called How to Start a Startup. So he does a great job outlining um, startups, and he's just a really smart guy going through everything. And even though it's only his view of startups, um, I think it's really valuable to at least check out. Absolutely. So do you have any last thoughts or personal mottos that you live by that you think that others should know about? Yeah, what I have uh, that I always try to follow is love what you do. And to me, that's a little bit different uh, than do what you love. So uh, love what you do means that no matter what you're doing, you're going to try your hardest um, and you're going to figure out a way to try to do well. Um, And then if you try your hardest, then hopefully good things will come of of it. Um, And the way that is different than do what you love is everyone usually has like a couple passions. So if you love what you do and you're working on something, even if you don't really like it, just try your hardest. Cool. Thanks so much for for being on the show and taking the time to uh, speak with us, Tom. Yep, no problem. Thanks, guys. Well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Hack to Start, and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.